Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on Anfield Index Pro, podcasting to you for the first time in 2024. From my field here in beautiful rural Ireland, I'm Trev Denny, and joining me to give their immediate reactions to the fun fest and frustration fest that was Liverpool 4, Newcastle 2 in the Premier League from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Carl Matchett. Hell void start a new year, Dave. Um, it felt as if, again, yet again, if you allowed the voices in your head, that being the voices for most of us uh, from the Sky cohort, to uh, convince you, you might have thought that was a much closer affair than it was. However, the frustration was building a little bit when this more yet more decisions seemed to be going against Ooh. us uh, on a regular basis. And not even the big ones, the little ones, fouls not seen, uh, assaults not acknowledged, that type of thing. But... It was a statement of intent in terms of the attacking play of the team. Nobody can doubt that. Nobody can question that. Nobody can question Liverpool's value for their lead at the top of the table now either. Um, the highest amount of shots registered in the Premier League this year. And I wouldn't be uh, surprised if we were also uh, two other places of the top five because we've been rattling in attempts in, goal in, in, in recent games. And then as well as that, the highest ever recorded XG for those of you who fancy your stats this was an absolutely comprehensive win that seemed to be getting billed as something else uh, by the crowd that I was watching it. But I felt more than value for at least probably another goal there tonight or two and more than value day for top of the league going into the start of 2024. And that's a hell of a sentence. Yeah, uh, just quickly to apologise in case my voice sounds a bit weird. I'm, I'm a bit under the weather, but, you know, we're, we're soldiering on. Um 4-2 flatters Newcastle to an immense degree. They were absolutely battered today by a vastly superior Liverpool team. 34 shots, like you said, the most registered this year. I'd imagine the 30 we put up against United is probably in the top three. 
Um, XG ranging from 6.8 to 7.2, depending on what provider you look at, although Kaylee Graphics has it at 4.8 because that fella sniffs bus seats after people get off. <laughs> um, just a comprehensive beating. 4-2 flatters them. 5-2 would have flattered them. I think 6-2 would have flattered them. Like, it's one of those games where we've won comfortably in the end, but you're a little bit frustrated because there was a lot of frustration that built up, especially in that first half where we, we just squandered so many good chances. And obviously the biggest one being the penalty for Mo and then the Darwin 1v1 as well. But second half, we could have scored seven in the second half. Like we were absolutely rampant going forward. The players who in the first half had not played well, I'm thinking specifically of Trent, Dominic, Mo and Darwin, all upped their game in the second half. Mo was unplayable in that second half. Trent was very good. I thought Dominic, his off-ball work had been great in the first half. His, his on-ball work started to be a bit better in the second half. And obviously Darwin got an assist on the Mo goal, but probably should have left the field with a hat-trick himself tonight. I think, you know, that's just one of those games where you really need him to be putting those chances away because especially now with Mo going away to AFCON, we do need others to step up. Now, obviously, Jota's come back at the right time. He looked really lively again tonight, won a penalty, had an assist, probably should have scored. You, you can't find much fault with the outcome, but how he got to it was a little bit frustrating. But a special shout-out to our, our friend in the middle, who seemed very hesitant to get his cards out and yet ended up booking three of ours and five of theirs in the end. So for all his humming and hawing over yellow cards, he ended up handing out eight in the end. And there's one Newcastle player in particular who was very, very lucky not to be sent off in the form of Jolington. Um, that lad is just a tug. He is just a tug. He's just a big dickhead He's like, you know, when you're like under 12s and you're training and someone from the under 16s or under 18s is just there and they decide to join in a five a side game because there's odd numbers. That's him just going around, launching himself into people, not actually very good at the football side of things, but he's bigger and he's more brutish than most people. Uh, how he escaped a booking in the first half, I've absolutely no idea. But, you know, it is what it is. We can't complain too much. The Reds are top of the league. Yeah, <clears throat> you're reminding me there of when we were um, playing under-14s for my local team, Walterstown, when I was a kid. And we had a lad who was like kind of my best pal coming up through primary school. And he just grew faster than everyone else. And Joe Linton has that kind of thing to him as well. He just looks a little bit more physical than everybody else around him, has it then and uses it. And we'd be jogging out um, to take the field against whatever opposition it was. And opponents were already beaten when they saw this lad. In fact, I remember one lad whispering quietly to himself as we as we jogged out past him, myself and my mate Gareth. And this lad just whispered, who the fuck is this horse? And I just thought, well, <laughs> I think we've got the psychological edge here. Yeah. But the psychological edge was very much with Liverpool. Um, I thought Carl from the start, Anfield was well up for it. 
and the atmosphere was good throughout and we really had the bit between our teeth I think there's a an opportunity of sorts within the first 30 seconds and it, we just never really took our foot off their necks um, despite the fact that they had a couple of attacks they weren't as bad say as United in terms of their approach to the game um, but again just to reiterate what I was saying to Dave there it feels like we can probably and can and probably should take a little breath and say you know this team deserves to be where they are now we're looking at some adversity in the shape of absences and possibly a new injury tonight uh, just to fold into the mix but you know you kind of do have to stop and smell the air occasionally the beautiful fresh new air of 2024 and go it's nice up here at the top and it's probably uh, to be fair very warranted given the balance of the uh, results and performances so far yeah I think that's fair to be honest Dave and I spoke about this ahead of the Newcastle game and we said like even though we do think that Liverpool have another gear to go through and we've got definite improvements that we want to make and we've been you know, displeased with some games or some aspects of games. Overall, we have been the best team. We have been, you know, ignore points. We actually think that we have been the best team just by performances and how consistently we've been at that level. And to be honest, we've just, if you want to put it a slightly cruder way, we've got our shit together a bit more than most of the other teams that are around us. Um, tonight, I think we were you know, verging on scintillating for, for quite large portions of this match. And it was really nice to see at times. Um, but by and large, you're absolutely right. Like we know, even if we weren't three points clear, um, now let's say for the next two months, basically based on you know fixtures and everything else, we're going to be at the top of the table there or thereabouts. You know, we're going to be fighting at the top of the table for at least the next two months. Same thing for Europe. We know where we are with that. We're flying. We've got you know, it looks like it'll be fairly nice for us to to have a shot at going deep. Where we are right now is like we've got a couple of weeks where the rest of our season is going to be determined. Like we're safe with those two primary competitions and being competitive. And that's a really, really good place to be to just be able to set ourselves these next couple of domestic cup matches as sort of a mini season decider kind of thing. You know, is it going to be about going for another kind of all in on the cups and that kind of thing? Or is it just going to be about the two main ones now? It's, it's a bit of an exciting time, to be perfectly honest. It surely is. Um, it feels that way. And it feels like we can be very upbeat. And I'm glad because there is another podcast that could have been happening this evening, which is very dominated or would have been very dominated with grousing about uh, yet another shitty performance by a referee in the shape of Anthony Taylor uh, this time around and some decisions going against us. And one of those nights where a goalkeeper has the night of his life and all those kind of things could have been there. But we've got so much incident that I'm going to kind of get us to blitz quickly enough through the teams and the selection. Because again, I will say, given the state of McAllister's recovery, the stage of McAllister's recovery even, I don't see that there was a whole lot different team to be selected there. Perhaps some people would have suggested Jota would have been a better guy to go with from the start. I think probably Luis Diaz's form would have borne out the uh, sense of selecting him tonight. But Dave, I'm anxious to hear your take on the Liverpool eleven. I mean, it's always good when we get to see Kanate and, and Van Dijk together and Joe Gomez has been a solid citizen for us over there in, in mm. problem position at the moment. So, I mean, it didn't re- I don't think there was anything surprising about it. It's the one I would have pretty much banked on Jurgen going with. The only one 
was maybe the front three. Maybe Gakpo would have kept his spot after doing pretty well against Burnley, or maybe Jota might have started. Um, but aside from that, I mean, the, the goalkeeper back for in midfield was exactly what you were what you were expecting. You knew Mo was going to start, so it was really just Darwin Diaz, Gakpo, Jota, pick two from the four, and obviously he goes with the two South American boys. And I, I, to be fair, I, I thought Luis Diaz looked brighter tonight and bouncier tonight than he has in in many months, and and actually gave a good showing. And he, when he went off, he actually looked like he, he'd found a bit of confidence as well. He seemed quite happy with the with the shift he's put in because in recent weeks when he's been taken off, he's looked really distraught and despondent with it. Um, but I th- thought he was a lot better. Obviously, look, Darwin is frustrating, but he he, he does cause absolute pandemonium and that does help us like he did get an assist he did play his role he just didn't do what he's ultimately there to do but no all in all you had to be happy with the team like that's a very strong looking back four it's a an industrious midfield with some quality and and was just to pause here and point out that Curtis Jones once again the best midfield player on the park um I just think he's going from strength to strength. Five goal contributions now in the last seven appearances is is really, really impressive. And if he can continue to do that, as well as everything else that he he does very well, uh, he's going to be very hard to shift from this team. Yeah, I thought Sabozai was by far the weakest of the three. I thought Endo was fantastic. He really Mm. puts himself in the way of things. He had a few crunching tackles uh, and he could certainly teach one of our uh, rivals onto the pitch a thing or two about using your physicality and not shitting out of things. I did particularly like when he just bundled Anthony Gordon over on the touchline and then shook his head as if to say, that's not a foul. I'll show you a foul next time. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm just so happy we're sending him off on a high because he'll come back in um, providing he comes home fit uh, with a kind of new level of establishment and confidence going coming back into the squad and that will be po- probably very important for us. Uh, just to briefly touch on Newcastle with you, Carl, um, they went with Dubravka, Livramento, Shar, Botman, Byrne, uh, Bruno in there, Bruno Gamarish, um, Miley, Longstaff, Gordon, Isak and Joe Linton. Um, and there's a there's a lot of very good footballers um, in that list that I've just called out. And when you look at their bench, it's probably not as strong as they'd like. Um, Domit's on there, Gillespie, a good old Carius was on there, Lascelles who came on, Kraft, Hall who came on, Murphy, uh, Richie and Almiron who also came on. And I'm just, you know, I, I, I wonder if that squad is a little bit and it has been found itself elevated a little bit higher than perhaps where it should be. There are very good players there, but I don't think they should necessarily be in the Champions League shakeup with that level of quality. It's obviously going to be interesting to see if they throw the, their apparent rule book out of the window and go a bit mad at, at, at um, in this window. Uh, I guess the heavy money would be on no. They seem to have this less um, wild approach than City did when they got their money. Um, what did you make of how they went? Did you see anything that could have been different? Um, are you a, a, a Eddie Howe fan in terms of the approach he takes to things? Um, 
The only thing I think from the from the starting lineup that could have been really a surprise is that Kieran Trippier was nowhere to be found. Now, if this was you know the fact of football picking players who are playing well and not picking players who are not playing well, then you wouldn't expect Trippier to be anywhere near the team. But actually, that's not really how it works most of the time. So you would still expect him to be always getting a go. So whether he was just you know given the day off whether he's got a bit of a knock. I'm not sure I didn't hear anything before the game at least, but that was the only big surprise. Um, I think that certainly over the last sort of month or so, they've really paid the price for not being able to rotate. Certainly in midfield, they keep playing the same players over and over again. You can see that although they want to play with a bit of intensity at times, they cannot, not to the extent that we did, not to the extent that they do it all game long. Um, so I don't sort of have any issue with what you said just there for sure in terms of them not being in the top four mix this season because it's a lot stronger than it was last year um, with obviously a few teams improving from from last season and then another couple who are uh, just far, far and away better than them. Um, obviously, they've got a couple of injuries still, but I don't think that they are massive difference makers to the 11. It's just that the fact that they can't really change that 11, which is causing them most problems, I think. Um, as for Eddie Howe, I... I, I like that Howe has reinvented himself, to be honest. That's the biggest thing about him because he was a very different type of team set up at Bournemouth, obviously. And I think it's really important that managers can adapt a situation and make a team based on something else, uh, based on other circumstances that they have and other quality of players. But what he's not doing at the minute is changing things to the direct context of this season. And like I say, with, with changing people around, playing a slightly different way away from home, being a bit more pragmatic at times. Today, they weren't pragmatic on purpose. We just didn't let them have the ball. That was not the way they were trying to play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, let's let's you and I start uh, the analysis of the match in terms of the incidents of the first half, and we'll take the first half of the first half. You and I, even though there's a lot in here, and um, feel free to cut across me if you want to, or we might just decide to stop somewhere anyway. But like I said earlier on, there was a Dom Sabozlai attempt from an endo pass in the first thirty seconds, which stunningly I managed to miss, setting myself up um, to make notes. Um, we did start like a house and fire to be fair it was a Trent effort deflected wide on about three three and a half minutes which was the peak of those opening um 
sorties forward. Uh, Newcastle then had an effort blocked by Joe Gomez, I think, on seven minutes that led to a corner from which nothing accrued. And then on 11, Trent plays the ball into Darwin. There's a 1-2 with Mo Salah, and his effort is palmed away. And then the follow-up, Curtis has an attempt that's blocked. Um, not the first attempt from Curtis and his... Uh, uh, persistence pay that pays off later on. On 16, Darwin again is in. He heads over a trend free kick from the right hand side and probably has a little bit more time given his own physicality and um, excellence in the air when he wants to uh, to do a little bit better with that one. The ball is in the net on 17 minutes. It's a great ball by Curtis Jones. Uh, Darwin side foot to, to Luis Diaz. His left footed finish is brilliant, uh, absolutely brilliant. Um, VAR go and check it for offside against Darwin Nunes. Uh, and, you know, unsurprisingly, there's a delay because it's ruled off. Uh, Endo, with the first of his absolutely brilliant crunching wins, was on 19 minutes to set up an attack. Diaz with a great run. Uh, VAR checking a penalty on Luis Diaz, which is given. Now, we will actually pause here, Carl, because this is a talking point. I know uh, David wants to jump into at the end of your, your uh, spiel here as well. Um, some, something funny happened uh, just before the penalty was given Anthony Taylor run, ran in front of Mo Salah and they didn't show what happened but it just seemed a bit strange but anyway when it went back to Mo I thought it was something weird about his run up it was short or whatever anyway he misses it he hits the ball pretty much straight down the middle Dubravka saves he's flying of course at this stage and then Trent skies the rebound which is probably a tougher chance than most people thought you've got to get over your foot over the ball but if anyone has the technique in our team to do that you'd imagine it'd be Trent and maybe a bit more of a sanguine approach a calmer head and we would be 1-0 up it's another Mo Salah missed penalty that's talking point number one um, nearly everyone um, was hitting and hawing about whether it was a penalty because and Carl I want you to focus on this of the delayed nature of Diaz's uh, fall to the ground but what nobody seems to have noticed is yes there's contact yes that's enough for a penalty but what happens is Luis's leg trips up his other leg if you know what I mean because of that initial contact I don't think it's a this necessarily this delayed oh I better go down now um, so I have that'd be my take and it's a little bit possibly different to anything else I've heard and you may not agree with it in terms of the opening 20 minutes and the penalty what do you want to pick out of that? Just the overall dominance, really, and the way that we started really quickly moving the ball about very, very fast. Um, it was very good to see, obviously. It's something that we've not always done this season, but I think recently the starts to matches, or the starts to both halves in matches, I think we've been much more on it. Um, like I said, Newcastle didn't really have anything to live with the movement that we had, and I thought the the line of our pressure and the constant nature of our pressure really high upfield was excellent all game long. I, it's one of the best things about and the last three or four bigger matches that we've played is I just think that the the pressing has been excellent right from the front, but also Endo, who both of you have picked out in the last couple of roles that I've done with you as well, he's just been so much better at that, at, at where he is important at, at aiding that and being in that second line, stepping forward like a good 30 metres from where he was at the start of the season, um, which I think if you think back to the 
the first game of the season against Newcastle, the difference between him in that match where he just didn't have a clue what was going on and the difference in him now, obviously, is just astronomical. Um, all of that obviously led into lots and lots of really good openings and half chances. And I mean, I kind of expected a little bit of this, like we spoke on Raw, uh, sorry, on Scouted before the weekend and I said that kind of how I expected this game to go is we create enough chances for six or seven goals and don't take them. I didn't quite expect the the, the scope of how big those chances would be um, because we haven't always fashioned, let's say, close range chances in matches recently. But definitely the dominance I was expecting and it was really, really good to see just because of the relentlessness of it. Um, Salah's penalties, we've been back and forth on this a few times, to be fair. Um, I think it's four of the last nine in the Premier League he's missed now, or four of ten, because obviously, spoilers, if you haven't watched the rest of the game, he took another one later on. Um, I think probably the latter penalty sort of puts a pin in any conversations about him not taking them anymore, just because, you know, he's already sort of wiped that clean, if you like. But if we do get a couple while he's away... Maybe there'll be a conversation to be had around, you know, who takes the next one, the, the state of the game when it happens. Um, I think the only other individual I would bring up at this stage, Dave's already mentioned, I'm glad it's not uh, it's not down to me to bring it up about Curtis Jones anymore. I think it's just his, his ability and his impact on the team, not just his own game, but how he lets everybody else play as well is just so much more apparent now. Uh, and I think in that opening stage of the game, especially, he was just immaculate. He was winning back everything. His regains were really good. His reset and possession, whether it was centrally or down the left, was really good. He backed up Gomez. He was with Diaz overlapping. Just excellent all the way through. Yeah, his strength in possession is a real, real bonus to the team. The ability to retain it as well, as you say, win it back also. And Dave... <clears throat> If you want to mention anything about the penalty, feel free to do so. Uh, is there anything you want to add to that first before we get stuck into the second half of the first half? No, it was a stonewall penalty. There's just I, I didn't see any reason for debate. I didn't understand why it took as long as it did. It was a stonewall penalty, and it was rightly given. Sam Botman may be a little bit lucky that he wasn't booked for that foul. Um, but yeah, the first that first period of the game, we were we were very dominant and. It did back up what Carl had kind of predicted beforehand that we'd create a bunch of chances, but maybe struggle to put them away. Yeah, which which was a, a trend that continued. Um, Curtis front and centre for the next couple of minutes. Um, soon after the penalty, uh, he has an effort from the edge of the box saved right down in the corner. And then on 25 minutes, Luis Diaz plays Curtis in. A very tight angle. He takes on the shot. Um, it's parried away. Leads to a corner which breaks to Virgil and he kind of snapshots it and that's blocked too. Uh, 27 minutes is the second of the big crunching endo tackles um, that I've really, I'm just so heartened by seeing that. And again, the contrast with certain other individuals is remarkable. Um, Guimaraes picks up a yellow um, about 27, 28 minutes. Uh, and I thought, you mentioned Joe Linton earlier, well, I thought Bruno Guimaraes was another guy who was very, very lucky and treated very, very leniently by Anthony Taylor throughout the game because easily have picked up a second card, should have picked up a second yellow card at various occasions um, throughout, mainly in, in, the, um, in the second half. But there's another big one here in the first. Um, there's a massive Virgil van Dijk block uh, against Isak on 30 that doesn't count because um, there was an offside but 
that was one of those moments where we used to talk about in, in the past on Raw where Ali saves a thing that's you know, not going to be given anyway. Um, it was just a Virgil, thou shalt not pass moment. On 35, there's a ball over the top. Um, the defender slips up and Darwin's in on the keeper uh, and he fails to score. And then the ball breaks. Darwin managed to get back on the ball and his drive at the goal is sort of uh, parried away with two hands by the keeper. At this point, Gary Neville is narrativing up a storm about Darwin Nunes. And actually, we'll pause here for a sec, Dave, because it's important that we do address this Darwin Nunes thing. You you have, um, to to, uh, to a certain extent already, uh, in your opening comments. I just think it's important that we don't get lost in this nonsense about what it is that Darwin can or can't do. The guy is an absolute... Um, nuisance, nightmare, torment for an opposition defence. That in and of itself would probably warrant a start in any team. The fact that he is not scoring goals at the same level as that um, cyborg over at Manchester City is just going to be a stick that's beaten. he's beaten over the head with until he starts to do that. And he may never start to do that. Jan Malby is saying this all the time. Darwin Nunes might just be what Darwin Nunes is for the rest of his career. He might be a 15 or 20 goal a season lad. Uh, and if we get 15 or 20 goals a season out of him, that's one thing. But you'll probably get another 10 assists and you'll probably get another 10 uh, touch before the assist and, uh, you know, vital interventions. And that for me, just it, it's not even a conversation. Who the hell, hell else are we starting from the lot we've got at the moment uh, other than him? It, I don't get it. I understand people are frustrated he doesn't score goals. But if they're waiting for that to happen, him to turn into a 30-goal season, that may never happen, Dave. Yeah, but, like, this, this this rush for that to be what he is is also weird because we have a 30-goal-a-season player yeah. in our front line. And Darwin, to his enormous credit, has taken on almost a supporting role for Mo, like he arrived as a nine, he arrived as the guy. That's what he had been at Benfica. That's what he was at Almeria. That's what he was. He was a guy who played through the middle and scored your goals, and the team funneled th- to him. And what he's done at Liverpool is he's altered his game to impact winning and impact aiding the primary goal scorer in the team in Mohamed Salah. And you know. Yeah, he didn't score tonight. He did get an assist. That's eight goals, eight assists so far this season, um, which is a, a pretty good return considering, like, people seem to forget at the start of the year, Darwin Nunes wasn't getting a whole lot of game time. So it's not like Darwin has played every single minute of every single game this year. I think he's at about 1,600 minutes for the season, and he's on eight goals, eight assists. So it's, you know... Basically, a goal or assist might might even be less. Might be like fifteen fifty, but he's on a bit of goal or assist every hundred minutes, say at worst this season. That's pretty good. Like across the course of a season, that's going to be in around thirty goal contributions if he keeps that up. That's pretty good to me. And he also works really hard off the ball. We saw him have some really good win backs tonight. Like that to me is more valuable than, let's say, a fella who just scores goals and doesn't do anything else. Like, when Haaland doesn't play well, City might as well play with 10 men. If he doesn't score, 
he doesn't impact the game at all. I know he's got three or four assists this season, but so many of them are just him with a loose touch and he just stabs it across to somebody else. They're not. He's not playing to aid others. He plays for himself. Now, Haaland's obviously a better player than Darwin is at this point, but Darwin is more rounded and Darwin impacts the game in more ways. You'll rarely see Darwin come off the field having had 60-plus minutes where he hasn't had some really positive involvement in the game. And tonight, yeah, he misses, what, three, maybe four chances that he should have scored or could have scored. But he still leaves with an assist, and we still leave with three points. So he has done his role in helping the team win a game. I know I get some I, I, I get some shade for this all the time when I bring up Gary Neville and the reason I do it is not because I'm personally obsessed with fucking Rat Boy and I wish people would understand or maybe just listen to what I'm saying occasionally about this Neville creates the narrative because Neville is Sky and he's the loudest whining rat voice on Sky and as a result louder even than Carragher as a result he sets and creates the narrative and Neville tonight kept trying to insist that Darwin Nunes' touch was shit that Darwin Nunes was profligate and therefore a problem and then when he was going off later on he was like oh I thought he was doing really well he's just a shit absolute shite hawk talking nonsense trying to work up Sky narrative with a trademark sign after it. And it just gets tiresome. And the reason I bring it up all the time is because he has the loudest microphone at the moment. Yeah, but and, he is and, also the guy that led the narrative that Trent couldn't defend for years. And he now, still does. He still does. But now, to be fair, Trent has not done himself any favours defensively in the last 18 months. That's for sure. This season and last season, Trent has been poor defensively. But prior to that, Trent was good defensively. Like, he was good defensively. Not, not, you know, he wasn't Lillian Turam. He wasn't Van Dijk level, but he was he was solid. Like, he would do his job. Th- that Champions League final that he gets absolutely obliterated for because Vinicius Jr. got in behind him for that goal and he didn't realise he was there. That's really unfortunate for Trent because in that game, he'd absolutely taken Vinicius Jr., the best left winger in the world, and put him in his arse pocket. He was he brilliant defensively on the day. He had one again, lapse and it cost him. And again, narrative. And that's all that gets talked about. Oh, yeah. dodgy, dodgy defender, blah, blah, blah. And so just, I just, I bring it up because our listeners are an educated lot by comparison with an awful lot of people out there. But it's just important when you're talking to people uh, that you point that out to them as well because people just believe whatever they say. Whoever shouts the loudest in television, people believe it. And it's just not okay. Um, Carl, I'm going to go back to you because there's actually more in this first half uh, to finish out the first half. Um, so after those couple of, of, of Darwin attempts, you know, it is that bomb over the top by Trent that kind of sees Darwin isolating the defender. It is a mistake by the defender and then Darwin's in and then he just misses and he misses his follow-up, um, like I say, shot, which is parried away. Um Guimaraes then fouls Van Dijk on a, a counter um, and he gets nothing for it. And it is the yellow card offence. Uh, and he should have a second one. And then they have the ball in the net on 37, Carl. They basically fucking waltz through us. Um, Isaac's offside before Byrne heads at home at the back post. It was all too simple of a concession. And it's the kind of thing... It'd be the one thing that makes me have a little query about where we're at. And we had started to look a little bit more... Um, 
forceful and uh, uh, difficult to break down. And it's been a lot to do with Virgil being back to his very, very best. That was a disappointing moment. Thankfully ruled off correctly. Uh, there's a chance in 38 minutes where Trent has this absolutely outrageous cross shot. You know, the the technique on this lad. It's a, it's a, he's, he's on the right-hand side. He hits across the ball on the half volley and it rattles across and hits the far side of the uh, woodwork. Um, you know, a, a potential goal of the season, um, a, a goal of the decade perhaps that we got denied um, it reminded me a little bit of that Suarez one that hit the, hit the, the post ages ago that w- would have just been the greatest goal ever if it had gone in um, and then Joe Linton and this is a, a moment I know you're going to want to talk about basically assaults Dominic Sabozlai with a double fist to the back now Mank Anthony Taylor decides what we'll do here is we let the game flow because that's what I'm all about, letting the game flow. And so he lets the game flow and gives us our inverted commas advantage. And then when the play stops later on, there is no yellow issued to Joe Linton. It's absolutely outrageous and it makes no sense to me. And instead, within a minute or so, Luis Diaz is carded for dissent after a Joe Linton tackle on him. Now, that's just bananas, Carl. And then there's two more yellows before the first half is out. Um, uh, Miley was is a wild in sliding, uh, sliding tackle on, on, on Mo, And then Trent is also carded for descent. Uh, and we're starting to get a very toxic atmosphere in Anfield around about Mr. Taylor. Anything you want to pick out from those few minutes, including their disallowed goal uh, and that really odd moment where Joe Linton decides to sort of do some sort of, you know, a wrestling move on Dom. Yeah. Um, I mean, on, on their goal, just very briefly, like it, it is frustrating to see us like pass through with like three passes and they're suddenly in and across or a cutback and yep. it's a decent shooting chance. And that does happen fairly often, but I did say this kind of with some frequency, to be honest, you can't stop teams not creating anything or not having any attack and play at all for 90 minutes, especially with the amount of players that we commit forward with the amount of dominance that we have and therefore players are naturally in advanced positions and so on. So Yes, there's always more that we could do in, in in terms of stopping them or being a bit better in those individual isolated moments. But even if we were, they would still have another chance somewhere along the way. So what we have to do is mitigate that, basically. One, either you have a, a, um, an amazing world-class elite goalkeeper, which we do, or two, you play a ridiculously high, tight line, which most of the time we do, but tonight wasn't actually that good with it. Um, that usually is is quite a big weapon of ours in stopping those things going through. And obviously, fast centre-backs and the rest of it. I think for their disallowed goal, the only thing I really look at is Trent, because Dan Byrne just sort of, what's the word, lopes past him, um, ambles past him. Ambles doesn't feel like it's quite tall enough, so maybe lopes is <laughs> Um and Trent just kind of watches him and it's like five yards between them before he realises and by then he's got no chance to get back. So that was very, very poor and sloppy from him. But I don't think the move itself I would be too annoyed by just because of the big spaces that are naturally there by the way that we play. Um, Joe Linton, what do we say about this? Um, I think the biggest talking point I'd like to bring up is Mike Dean on the feed that I was watching Sky. Oh, yes. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Then deciding to talk about for about, what, four or five times? Yeah, but 
play was allowed to continue, so they got the advantage. I'm sorry, but I've never heard that matter once ever. It's still a yellow card offence. If if it's the game is stopped or not, yes, you were allowed to play on, but the foul still happened. I, I don't really understand why he was bringing that up at all. I've never heard of this. It's never adhered to in normal Premier League refereeing. It's always a yellow card after the fact. And obviously that then had another knock-on much later in the game, as you've said, because Jorlinton absolutely should have been red-carded in that game. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, I, I'm delighted you brought up the the, um, the Mike Dean thing because he was just doing my head in, piping up, going, "Yeah, yeah, it's a, the, the blah blah blah." He's just he's just an awful awful set of lads, Mike Dean. And the fact that he was trying to justify this thing that no one no one has ever heard of, as you rightly say, nobody's ever heard. What? Let's just say, for example. That that Joe Linton uh, uh, assault on Dom Spoelstra was serious enough to be a red card offence. Say he two foots him or he punches him in the face, and Dean or not Dean, well, might as well be Dean. They're all the same. Um, Mangtony Taylor decides to play the advantage because we're in on goal. Are you telling me he doesn't go back and red card him? Then come on, it's just daft. It's a silly, silly state of affairs to be trying to sell this to us. And the only reason, I mean, unless there's some sort of Mandela effect going on here, I've never heard of that shit before. It's nonsense. So I just, I wish, I, 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 the fact that Sky just keep bringing on these guys to just, it, it just adds to the unpleasantness as, a, as opposed to giving any clarification at all. Dave, if we look at the first part of the second half, and you may want to go back to an item or two there towards the end of, this, of the first, if you want, feel free. We'll have a look at the first half as, as far, uh, just as far as the, the, the second goal. So we start off, again, very much like we did the first half. Um, very positive, very fun foot. And we have a reward on 48 minutes. And it is Mo Salah. Uh, and it's his 150th Premier League goal for the club. Um, Luis Diaz drifted infield from the left and carried the ball very effectively. And then plays a lovely ball across to Darwin, who's coming raining from the right. His centre to Mo, whose central is absolutely perfect. It's a picture book goal in terms of a team. Team goal, uh, you know the the build up play had been very good as well. It's just a lovely, lovely Liverpool Klopp era goal. Brilliant footballer, brilliant football played by brilliant, technically excellent footballers, and the simplicity of it kind of hides the excellence of the goal in terms of the team. 
then there's a on 51 a dangerous ball in by Mo Salah to Darwin which is intercepted on 52 Mo puts in this volley cross thing of beauty into Darwin Nunes who makes contact and his effort is saved point blank by Dubravka on 52 minutes Darwin is in on an Ibu um, ball over the top and his effort is saved again by Dubravka led to a corner and after a little bit of play Darwin heads another one over they bring on Almiron in 54 minutes and something weird happens in that, you know, entirely against the run of the play, they are level. It's Isaac. It's a ball which splits Virgil and Ibu in terms of a ball slid down between them. There's stuff before that that I know you'll want to pick up on. Um, but to be fair to Isaac, his finish is good. Um, it is a well-executed pass. It just is an opportunity that shouldn't have arisen in terms of what probably should have happened before and maybe even positioning in terms of where our centre-halves were. But I'll let you have a little chat about our opening goal and then please do focus on Newcastle's as well as anything else you want to pick up on there. Yeah, our opening goal is is outstanding, the way we break. Um, Dominic, well, the ball is cleared, Darwin lays it off to Dominic, Dominic drives, feeds Diaz, Diaz comes in field, gives it back to Darwin for his second involvement. And it's the perfect centre for Mo, and it's a gorgeous goal. And we fully deserved it. And you kind of felt like, right, that'll settle everybody down now, and now we can go on and win this game quite comfortably. And then we just seem to get a little bit lax. And look, their goal is is a well-worked goal. And the risk of how we play is that you end up in situations like we ended up in there, where Anthony Gordon is driving, so Ibu has to step out. Ibu steps out, out, so there's a gap. And Virgil, unfortunately, can't get across quickly enough. You have to give Isak huge credit because he takes it first time, doesn't allow Virgil to get there. But I would just I would ask how Anthony Gordon found himself so free in that space. Where had our right back gone? How had he how had he allowed him to get so open? And it wasn't the first time in that game that Gordon had gotten a lot of space. We mentioned the or you guys mentioned the, the goal that was disallowed for them in the first half. It wasn't just that Dan Byrne loped past Trent. It was that at the beginning of that build up, Jolington dances past Trent who then doesn't sprint to get back at him and try and make a challenge. That's where the concern comes in for me, is the effort level with Trent defensively. It's just not there anymore. He hasn't gotten worse as a defender. He's just not trying anymore. He's not prioritising it, perhaps, in the way that no. he had. Yeah, yeah. No, and again, that might not be a him decision. That might might be a tactical decision. 100%. But at the end of the game, at the end of the day, rather, when, when it's 1-0 and you're chasing a league title, which is where we are right now, is we're chasing a league title. When you're 1-0, regardless of what tactical instruction you've received for how you do things on the ball, you lock down your man, and you don't allow him to dance past you and create a goal with incredible ease. So that's the only kind of gripe I'd have with their goal. Thankfully, we responded really well, and that includes the manager who responded well. 
and made changes and the players who upped their game and uh, and seemed to take a bit of an affront to the fact that Newcastle had scored. You know, there's that flurry of opportunities for us between our goal and their equaliser that, you know, on a different day, one of those goes in. But what I was very encouraged by was the fact that after their equaliser, we actually turn it right back on again. And there was a kind of a ropey moment just after their goal where Virgil has an uncharacteristic loose touch as he's coming out with the ball and sort of hits it too far ahead of himself, which means he has to foul the attacker. And then there's a free in on the 57th minute from the right-hand side just after they've scored their goal. And that's probably as anxious as I was about this result in the entire game. Um, And again, it was just one of those things that was sort of self-inflicted, perhaps a little bit of what you were saying there, the slight lax um, uh, approach, because we were so much better than them, as is evidenced by those three opportunities. And Carl, if we go back, you and I, to the next little chunk, it's more Liverpool efforts um, in the immediate aftermath of that ropey moment for Virgil after their equaliser. It's another good move in 59 minutes. A dangerous Trent ball in causes a bit of pinball from them. And one of their defenders sort of hits it back towards their goalkeeper and dead ball line. And it's a bit of a moment of confusion. Then again, within a minute, another dangerous ball, this time by Luis Diaz. Um, he hits it across with some venom after a great turn and run at their... Def- he basically takes out two of their defenders, drives through the byline and drives it over really powerfully from the left. Now, if we're being honest, it's the kind of ball where you want someone to have taken a risk, but probably was not the most intelligent of crosses, even though it looked very dangerous and it was into the um, trademark corridor of uncertainty. On 61 minutes, more sustained pressure from us ended with a Luis Diaz run and a shot saved. I mean, this they just keep coming, Carl. On 63 minutes, Darwin flashes a header just wide of uh, a Luis Diaz cross. Uh, again, it's a good effort. Um, you could possibly say he should do better with it, but it's a decent one. He doesn't get an opportunity, however. He is off then. And we bring on Cody Gakpo, Diogo Jota and Gravenberg for uh like Darwin and Diaz. Um, so he's basically changed up a lot there has um Kloppo at that stage I want to pause there just before you and I go to our go ahead goal the 2-1 which we will uh is there anything there in that that you want to mention and what did you think of those substitutions Carl uh, no problem with any of the substitutions as they were. I do wonder because we saw Sobazai going off holding the hamstring a little bit I wonder whether Klopp would have taken Jones off instead of Sobosly. Okay. I was wondering that too, Carl. That's a worry, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, he shouldn't have. Sobosly should have been the one to go off. Like you said, Endo and, and Jones were playing better than him. And also, we've seen Gravenberg be better from the right side of midfield than the left side of midfield. So all of those things mean that it should have been Sobosly to go off. But yeah, I do. I wonder if it would have been Jones to go off both on, shall we say, seniority and also on sort of uh, game time since coming back from injury. It has been a bit in and out, obviously, with, with Gravenberg swapping as well. So I'm, I'm glad that it wasn't Jones who went off for, for several reasons as, as the match transpired. But obviously, we have to now hope that we haven't got McAllister back, but lost Sobers live from, from the midfield options, because that's just going to be even more annoying at this particular stage. Um, the rest of it was... 
uh, I think you mentioned the most important thing there, basically, that the response to them scoring was pretty good overall. We didn't sort of, you know, sit back and just wait and let the game drift. We did get ourselves back on uh, in terms of very, very quick exchanges in the final third, lots of movement. There wasn't like pointless rushed shots or whipped crosses to nobody at all. It was pretty deliberate build-up all the way. And we, we doubled up down the channels a lot. There was good overloads in both um, flank areas, I think. We did pretty well in terms of just moving Newcastle all over, basically. And the chances were still going to keep coming and coming and coming. We've had conf- confirmation via guy there of Klapo quotes around the Sabozli injury. He says we wanted to take him off. That was the plan. Unfortunately, it was a minute late, which is um, pretty shitty luck. Uh, he goes on to say he felt his hamstring. We don't know the extent yet, but hamstrings are not good. And he did look distressed. So that is a worry, as you say. And let's just take it, you and I, up as far as the 2-1 goal. Um, because just soon after that um, raft of substitutions, we have yet another opportunity on 65 where Mo Salah has a run and a shot saved, and then Curtis Jones has a follow-up shot. Um, Endo picks up a yellow on 65, and I guess he was (laughs) sailing close to the wind. Um, Delighted with that fella, I have to say. On 66 minutes, another yellow. This time it's Joe Linton, who's wild in on Ibu Kanate. For my money, he should be now gone for a second yellow, or perhaps even for the wildness of that tackle on Ibu. It was um, pretty awful. Um, Gravenberg, when he came on, had a rough time of it. And my problem with Gravenberg is something we've touched on in this uh, podcast a couple of times. Um I'm as wildly eager for him to be brilliant as the next man and have been from minute one. But what I cannot, cannot abide is when I look at players and they feel like they're a little bit of an empty shirt because they're not getting involved. Um, I used to watch a show on TV in Ireland when I was a young fella, which was a German show called Heidi. And Gravenberg feels a bit Heidi to me. It's like he's not getting involved. He's staying out of the way. We're going to come back to this later on because at one stage there's a f- absolute clusterfuck of a situation with Joe Gomez and Gravenberg, which could have really cost us badly. And his first couple of chances, are, touches on the ball, are very loose. He loses the ball in 67. They lost, they launched a counter. Uh, and then as we managed to get the ball back, Cody, who was the other guy we were saying really needs to put himself about a bit, thankfully he did eventually, lost the ball as we were counter-attacking. 68 minutes, Cody is involved again. He's a shot saved by the keeper. And then Ibu has a wild follow-up way over the top. At that point, it's 28 shots to three on 69 minutes, 4.25 XG. Now, when you think about we go on and elevate that to 7.2 by the game's end, you can see what's coming. Um, I really enjoyed the shove by Ibu Kanate on um, Anthony Gordon on 71 minutes on our dead ball line. The fact we got the kick out as well was extra, a little bit of sauce. And Carl, you and I will finish uh, our little chat about this part here on 73 minutes when we go ahead. And it is Curtis who's kept plugging away, uh, who puts us 2-1 up. There's a move which starts from the back. It ends with Jota playing a ball to Mo. Mo's gorgeous reverse pass. Packs to Jota, 
is perfect. We've seen it a million times from all that little ball uh, towards the dead ball line, slid down the side. Jana gets there. His centre to Curtis is perfect. And Curtis can finish the easy enough opportunity. Um, very similar to the first goal in many ways, Carl, and another great team goal, another great um uh, example of what we can do when we're at our very best. Nice to see Jota involved, having come on. I thought that was very, very important that the substitutes had that impact. There's quite a few bits and pieces in there in that tiny little spell, including the goal. So anything else you want to pick out before I go back to Dave for the next one? Um, a couple of bits. You mentioned the the shooting, obviously, which has been good in terms of having the shots, but not good of late in general. By half time in this match, it was 84 shots that we'd had across the last three and a half games and we'd scored three of them. Wow. Which is obviously very, very low. Um, not not great. That's obviously the Man United, Arsenal, Burnley and half of Newcastle matches. So obviously that's up significantly in the second half in terms of goals that went in and shots that we took. But even so, obviously the, the total XG of the game of well over seven does highlight how overly profligate we, we were again and have been um, I think there's not really too much else to say other than the goals that we scored which eventually gave us the breakthrough are not the type of chances we've really created too often of late like really really close range really well worked runners from the second line so important and people not just taking on the hard shots themselves or the maybe not even the hard shots themselves, but just making sure that we score. Um, people may have seen the Chelsea game a couple of weeks ago where Sterling ran through and they're three on one and he opts to shoot and they don't score and then they lose the game. And obviously in the first half, you could even argue that Darwin's one on one. He could square it and Salah has a bit of a tap in, but he has a shot himself. It was really good to see, therefore, that we did get the job done and just make sure we score with an open goal, a two-yard tap in, whatever it took, just to make sure that all these chances, all that pressure did pay off in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And there's another substitution directly after the Curtis goal, uh, Dave, which was uh, a bit of a fill-up for all of us, which is to see McAllister come on. And I thought he did really, really well, looked strong in possession um, when he was on the pitch. One outrageously brilliant pass as well, if not more. Uh, He comes on in 74 minutes just after we've scored for Endo. And it was really interesting to see Endo go to the bench. He looked absolutely delighted with himself. I think the crowd were happy with him he's high-fiving everyone uh he's heading off to represent his country i think this i think honest to god i think tonight and maybe a couple of times over the last recent games but tonight especially is the night where we actually got to see this lad potentially become a low-key uh one of those liverpool cult heroes that we like um it might be the time because it just felt like it came together for him he got it he was solid he was good in possession he was good out of possession he was good in the tackle and what else do you want from someone who's sitting at the back of your midfield three Almiron does have an opportunity on 75 minutes he cuts in from the right hand side uh, and shoots wildly off target Trent gets a great interception on 76 minutes and immediately gets up and starts pumping up the crowd, which, well, he might, given some of his questionable defending, which Gary Neville is no doubt loving. But on 77, Dave, we go ahead further. It's Cody Gakpo. Um, there's a ball dinked out to Mo on the byline, and he does really well to keep the ball in, stop it from going out with his consummate 
control. Um, he takes it on. He drives towards the byline. He puts in a centre with the outside of his left foot, which is absolutely majestic. And Cody's there to kind of bundle home. It's not the sweetest of finishes from him. Of course, there's a VAR check for offside, but it was given. Now, we will pause there, you and I, because I know you probably want to have a word about McAllister. You want to talk about this Gakpo goal. And there's a couple of other things, like little bombs there that, that I dropped in the chat with Carl that I think you'll probably want to pick up on. Maybe leave the Gravenberg stuff till later because that's going to definitely come up. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Um... Yeah, just to start with Endo, I, I think if you look at this this last run that he's had in the team, where he's now started six in a row in the Premier League, <clears throat> he obviously played, came off the bench against Fulham and turned that game for us. And then we played Sheffield United. He played really well. Then we played Palace and he was dreadful. And he got hooked at half time. But they came back in. He, was, he started against United, started against Arsenal. Was was excellent in both games. Um, thought he outplayed Rice in the Arsenal game. Now the narrative twins want you to know that Declan Rice has just been incredible. He's bargaining at one hundred and five million. But yeah, with Toro Endo among many players to outplay Declan Rice this season in a Premier League game. Um, he was really good against Burnley, and then he was really good again tonight. So like he's had this run now of four really good games in a row, five really good games out of six, off the back of that match-winning cameo against City, or sorry, against against Fulham. And, you know, it just goes to show you what, what confidence can do for a player. Because before that, not to be disrespectful, but he looked like he'd won a raffle. Like, he genuinely looked like he'd won a raffle to play for us. He didn't look anywhere near good enough. But since he settled in now over the last run of games, he has been very, very good. And he does give us a level of physicality that Alexis doesn't offer in that role. He's not as good on the ball as Alexis, but from a physicality point of view, from just a grit and determination and, you know, someone that's ready for a bit of a scrap. Like, he's not taking a backward step against anybody. And it has been hugely beneficial to us to have a defensive midfielder in the team. And you you think back to 2021, when Jürgen tried all the nonsense of Henderson and others at centre-back and then finally just went, you know what, I'm just going to play centre-backs there 
and I'm going to play midfielders in midfield and we'll see what happens. And we ran off eight wins and two draws to end the season with two lads that struggled to get football above League One, you know? Um, just having a defensive midfielder play the defensive midfield role has made a big difference to our team. I think it's it's given Curtis, having him back as well as massive. I mean, we do need to factor that in. That pairing together, the energy that they provide has been vital. But the Curtis-Alexis pairing was working really well at the start of the season as well until Curtis got sent off and then he got injured and then he had some poor games. But since he's found form again, I think that just, it makes a lot more sense now, the midfield, having those two in there, boundless energy. And Dom, look, he didn't have a good game tonight by any stretch on the ball, but off the ball, he is monstrous for us. He is absolutely monstrous for us. And hopefully that's not a serious injury. Hopefully he's not going to be out for too long. With a bit of luck, it's maybe something like the Gravenberg um, fatigue thing that he had a few weeks ago when he was back. He missed one game and came back. Hopefully that's that, that's all that that's all it is with Dominic. We don't play in the league again for three weeks, so I don't really care um, if he's missing for a couple of cup games. You know, obviously the Fulham game I, I want us to win. The Arsenal game in the cup I couldn't couldn't care less about. Um, what else? Oh, the the Cody goal is an unbelievable bit of football by Mo Salah. And it's about as bad as Cody could have struck that. But because he strikes it so badly, that's why he scores. Because you're expecting, or Dubravka is expecting him to kind of glance it across the goal. So he goes for the glance. But because Cody gets such a poor touch on it, um, it manages to go in. And that's the kind of look that Darwin needs. Like Darwin needs one like that. And Cody yeah. had two like that this season. He's had two real scruffy goals this season. And Darwin needs a goal like that. That will that will help him um, get back to, you know, maybe a bit more confidence in his finishing. But I, I thought at that point we, we really did look like we could just tear them asunder any time we wanted. You know, every time we went up the field, we looked like we were going to score. And you don't get that very often. In a season, it maybe happens twice or three times. But it happened tonight where every single time we went at them, it looked like we'd score. Yeah, it's a 7-0 on another night. It's as simple as that. You said earlier on, I agree with you entirely. When I come back to you, Dave, it'll be for your wrap-up thoughts because Carl and I are going to see the game out now with the um, <clears throat> 3-2 and 4-2 goals. And then we'll finish the show with Carl, as is often the case. Um, but before any of us do anything, can we all just pause for a second have a little moment it's it's like a new year's celebration and click on that tweet that i've popped into the um into the thread there which is basically this gorgeous angle of trent's shot from slightly behind as he's striking the ball it's absolutely outrageous the fact that it hits the post as opposed to the bar as well means it was that close to going in oh my god that would have been a thing of absolute beauty. Can you think of an effort? And this is my little quiz question to you to start our new year, both of you. Can you think of an effort apart from the Luis uh, Suarez one that I mentioned earlier on that was more 
painfully close to aching beauty than that because I can't. I genuinely can't. Dave, I'll start with you before uh, I go to Carl because I'm going to finish up um, the match with Carl. Anything else? Can you think of anything else that's as glorious as that but just didn't come off? No, I'm really struggling. Um, same, same. I remember, I remember a Gerard shot in like I want to say oh four maybe that just had this vicious dip and started. It was like from the inside right channel that started wide and it dipped back in and it clipped, but it clipped the outside of the post. Oh, I've like seen, one, like like the Middlesbrough one, like that. You're talking about, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Pretty much the same, the same strike, but it didn't, yeah. it didn't come back from. I've seen. Roberto Carlos has scored that goal that Trent Scott yeah. tried to score from the it other. It's a total inverse, yeah. Um, no, there's nothing that there's nothing that pops into my head straight away. I remember Sturridge hitting the crossbar with a lovely turn and chip once, and thinking it would have been a hell of a goal. Um, but that's about it. Oh, Markovic, the great Markovic. shout guy. Shout. Markovic one is a great shout. Yeah. That that possibly changes that lad's life. That is a sliding doors moment of fucking supreme uh, uh, intensity. Is that one? If that goes in, you don't know what's going to happen with that kid uh, at Liverpool. But yeah, the Suarez one, as I said as well. Yeah, good shout by guy. Dave, back to you to to get your wrap up thoughts in a second. Carl, anything to add to our little um, uh, so, sidestep there in terms of near misses that really struck you or will, will we just bar- barrel on and finish the game out uh, I was going to mention the Roberto Carlos one which was like a mirror image obviously from the left which did go in it um, went in yeah yeah the, the two which did not I would say Carragher's final game where he barreled one onto the post for oh, 40 yards great out great shout great shout uh, <laughs> and uh, at the opposite I'm end I'm glad that didn't go in at the at the opposite end of Liverpool careers, I think it was Stuart Downing's debut, and he hit the woodwork with an absolute brilliant oh, he move. Dribbled he, in from the right yeah. hand side and unleashed and one that hit the crossbar. One. Yeah, and again, if you talk about Markovic sliding doors, then uh, I think Downing went like was it thirty games with no goals and assists or something like that. So yeah, but he, I'll put that did, one up there too. He did keep putting in tremendously, tremendously safe crosses for at least twenty five games in a row. The fucker. Uh, let's move on. That's a good shout. Uh, we uh, get in ourselves into a bit of a spot of bother because after Cody puts a 3-1 up, there is another great move a minute or two later, 79 minutes. Uh, dangerous ball into the box by Mo Salah. But oddly, and from nowhere, they're 3-2 because they get a corner. I, I honestly don't know how many corners they've got. I did have the stats up here. Let me just, if I can find it real quick, I'll find it. Do they have corners here? Yeah, they had three corners in the match. Um, so a rarity for them. And from that corner, they end up getting a goal. And Botman's pretty unchallenged. Um, I think it's Diogo Jada who's, who's is the, the like-for-like matchup. But it's a pretty unchallenged header home past Ali. It's very annoying. And on 81 minutes, they bring on the cells and Hall for Julinton and Burns. And we see this fantastic situation occur um, within, I think, about three minutes of their substitutions. Because obviously, again, narrative was being written and people wanted to see what they wanted to see. But we have this moment where there's a gorgeous through ball by McAllister 
Tejada, one of those ones that, you know, anyone who's played the game just dreams about playing. It's not even that difficult. It's just you got to find yourself in the right position where you're hitting a ball almost straight or maybe with a little bit of um, angle on it into the run of an attacker. And it's a great ball. Jota runs onto it. Neville immediately is going, no, 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 no. He's terrified. He doesn't want to see it happening. The penalty goes to VAR. It is Im- immediately given, but it goes to VAR for checking and eventually is given. Dubravka picks up a yellow for his um, uh, involvement in that. And again, Carl, it's one of those moments where you just go, it's very like the first one. It's very like the first one in that there is contact. And for some reason, Gary Neville and the narrative merchants thought, well, that doesn't matter because he delayed and then he went down like Diaz did. And there's there's this whole kind of nonsense about, you know, well, uh, Almost as if he was diving for the penalty. Um, and whereas it was a little bit less clear cut, I thought, than the Diaz one in terms of whether or not he made the most of it in inverted commas. You, Jamie Carragher on Sky was talking about how Diaz did exactly the right thing. Um, you know, he felt the contact and he went down, albeit a little bit slow. This too was clear contact and therefore the keeper is impeding the player and you know, interfering with his ability to do what he's doing. It's a penalty. It's not difficult. It shouldn't be difficult. Anyway, Mo Salah grabs the ball. Mo Salah buries the ball to the keeper's right. Now, at this point, I want to mention this one to you. Klopp not looking. Um, I thought that wasn't great. <laughs> I didn't like that. Uh, I, 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 It made me feel a bit... F- fucking weird i didn't like it i was a bit annoyed with Clapo for that but what like what's it, what's the signal there oh not this fucker again like what's the signal i don't get it um is is it just we've been so uh afflicted here by anthony taylor and his gang of 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 mooks that i can't even look i i, I didn't like it anyway Immediately after that, we saw Gravenberg get in the way of Joe Gomez. Joe Gomez got assaulted um, after he won the ball despite Gravenberg. uh, And no foul was given. Um, Absolutely can't understand what's happening with Gravenberg. The unit that he is, he's a non-entity in that regard in terms of physicality. There's yellow for Longstaff in 89. Seven minutes are added. I thought Mac had been great since coming on. We saw then Gravenberg did have one good moment, a a, a cross-field diagonal ball to Mo Salah. Um, which was decent. Mo cuts in and has a shot saved. Jada then has a shot deflected. And we're here in Liverpool, top of the league, being chanted, which is glorious. So you've got the Mo penalty. You've got whether it was a penalty or not. You've got the Botman um, uh, 3-2 goal as well. And anything else you want to mention uh, in that last period of the match, Carl? Yeah, I'll skate over their goal because ultimately I don't care and it's a bit irrelevant because we did enough before and after it. Um bit annoying with not great defending but you know let it go we, we did enough at the other end to win this game over seven times so um i think it's one of those where if it's not given we're not getting it on a on a review uh when jota goes down to be honest because dubravka sort of pulls his elbow away but once he's made contact you kind of have to give the penalty if if it has been given 
Um, I don't, I don't think that it was not a penalty, but I just don't think it was such a, an obvious one overall. I think the first one was more of a penalty than the Jota one, to be honest. Uh, and I've definitely seen plenty of the Jota versions, which don't get given at all. Let's put it that way. Um, it probably should have scored anyway. Probably fine to like to try and take him on. I've no problem with that sort of thing. But maybe the touch was a little bit heavy after he's run through or whatever. Um, but ultimately, Jota has come on and have had another really good impact off the bench. And especially with Salah obviously about to depart, that's just a really, really important thing for us. Him coming back and impacting um, Alexis, as you say, coming back and having a, a good game again. We need these things to be happening. And if Cody is getting his lucky breaks as well, then that's another good thing that we can hopefully point towards and rely on for one or two of the games uh, along the way. Um, I agree with you completely on Klopp on the penalty. I don't know what the story is with that. I'm not sure what that was meant to achieve. I don't see that it achieves anything positive whatsoever and could, could, not probably does, but could achieve something negative, um, depending on who wants to make something of it, to be perfectly honest. Um, But look, the main thing, the main takeaway there is that there were a couple of players who were excellent right the way through till 98 minutes or whatever we played. Gomez and uh, Curtis Jones down the left, I thought were really, really good throughout. And uh, Salah, I think first half to second half, there's lots of talk of him changing his boots at half time, uh, which obviously has made a, a big impact. And he said he wasn't feeling too comfortable in them. So that's fine. But he was like two different players, like world class and just, I'm not really sure. Did, did he have them on the wrong feet in the first half? Is that, is that why they weren't comfortable? <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't elaborate, I'm afraid. Um, I, I have to, I have to take umbrage with your with your claims on the penalty, Carl. I'm sorry, it's it's stonewall as it gets. Which? He elbows him full force on his foot, on his ankle as he as he goes by him. It's as blatant a penalty as you're ever going to see. And if VAR don't give that, then everybody involved in VAR need to be fired. Well, they yeah. do. They do anyway. We've, we've not seen, yeah, we've not seen any uh, errors from VAR at all. Have we? Yeah. <laughs> you see the video you've just posted there, which is a really yeah, good. Yeah, we, we didn't get that at all. We didn't get that angle. But no. here, here's the thing, and this is just to qualify a little bit why Carl's saying what Carl was saying. This angle actually clarifies a lot because what happens is. Diogo, when the contact happens, does really well to plant his foot and try to stay upright. He plants his right foot. And just because he happens to have decent, decent balance doesn't mean he should be penalised. You know, it's, it's absolute horseshit. It's exactly the same as the first one. There's enough there. End of story. And that one definitively does prove it. Carl, I'm going to come back to you for your wrap-up thoughts in a minute. And Dave, let's get yours now, my friend. What do you think? Um, it's It feels like a big one. It feels like a big win. There's a weird sort of set of fixtures ahead of us in terms of what lies ahead for the Reds. Um, there's a bit of a gap as well, as you mentioned earlier on. Uh, and as Carl said... It, Regardless of what we do, we're going to be competing in and around the top end of this table. And we're already sitting back and waiting to see who we draw in the other premier competition that we have to go for this year. I agree with you, by the way, entirely fuck the FA Cup off. Who gives a shit? We have injuries up the wazoo. I... I, I I remember double. I remember the double in, in Kenny's player manager arrived right the Rover season. The FA Cup was huge. It always was. Mm. 
but it doesn't matter in this context now. We cannot afford to take risks. There are too many fragile moving parts. Anyway, don't let me dictate it. What are your wrap-up thoughts? Um, we will go to Brentford on the 21st of January. And regardless of results elsewhere, and all our rivals will have played before us, we will still be top of the league. And that's a really nice thing to know, that we will go there top of the league regardless. Now, obviously, City do have a game in hand, but they're five points behind us. Um, Arsenal, who bizarrely, they won the league a couple of weeks ago. I'm not, I must be looking at the wrong table here, because like Arsenal, as you know, won the league at Anfield there with their heroic draw. That's why um, Saka got player of the year as well. Yeah, when, when Declan Rice um, backpedaled 50 yards to invite all our players into the ground and then used his aura to cause the ball to bobble and Trent to miss. So much better um, than Disney. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> what a bunch of cons. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're fourth, and, and the only reason they're fourth is because Spurs have had so many injuries and suspensions, otherwise Arsenal would be fifth, and uh, and looking up at the Champions League spots. Um, yeah, we're in a really good spot. We we just need to keep winning, and that's all we can do is, is we can keep winning. And we need to go to Bournemouth, and we need to beat them. And then beyond that, we just need to keep winning in the league. We get Chelsea at home 10 days later. We've got 10 days between league games. So you beat Chelsea. We'll take care of Fulham, hopefully, in the in the League Cup. I, as I said, I don't care about the FA Cup. I, I would like to beat Arsenal purely because it's Arsenal. But after that, I'd be sending out the under-14s in the fourth round. Yeah. Because what's the point? Go and win the three that you can that you can already see as real possibilities. Two for certain, and then now the league. Um I just, I just think it's, it's a really good, it's a really good place to be in, especially considering we're, we're in a transitional season. Like we're not meant to be top of the league right now. We're well ahead of schedule. Um, I do have some bad news, unfortunately, and it gives me no, um, no joy to bring this news to people. But as you all know, I am the official adjudicator of the Jordan Pickford Prick Watch campaign. Yes. And uh, unfortunately for Mister and Missus Miley of Newcastle. I regret to inform you that you have raised a prick and at 17 we can deem him nothing other than a prick. You can see it in his face. He has been Eddie Howd. It's that Joe Linton <laughs> fellow who's spending far too much time with the likes of him and that Gordon Young fella. So if you want your son to avoid being a lifelong prick, you might want to get him up and away from there. Um, <laughs> lots of things to be annoyed about with the officials but you know I, I watched the game today with, with Jim Beglin on commentary because I just can't do Sky so I watched uh, the, the USA coverage with Jim Beglin who's an annoying lad at the best of times but he did make a very good point only one member of the coaching staff is allowed in the technical area at any one time and yet for almost the entirety of the game Newcastle had two in with uh, manager Jason Tindall joining uh, assistant manager Eddie Howe to peruse and discuss the game. And the fourth official just stood there and watched him and didn't do a thing, didn't tell him to sit down once. And I can remember vividly earlier in this season, our assistant manager, Pep and Linders, being told to get out of the technical area and sit back down by a fourth official. 
so I just just wanted to point that out because it did bother me. Um, Gravenberg played one unbelievable pass tonight that showed what he is capable of, and it was about the only thing he did that was good. Do you remember, uh, tack- do you remember the, the Gomez, Gomez thing? The tackle oh. on Gomez was fairly Jeez. special now, Jeez. but his his attempt at marking Sven Botman on their second goal is an absolute shambles, and uh, might be something that he needs to work on. You know, you're six foot three, lad. And I think you've won six aerial duels in twenty appearances, so you might you might just want to work on you know when the ball's up in the air, n- knowing what to do. Um, but look, he, he didn't do anything too offensive other than try to tackle his own teammate and get dribbled past a little bit too easily. Um, two footed every day, daily read every day. There'll be a scouted for the Arsenal game. We'll do one for the Fulham game. They might be the same podcast, to be totally honest. We might just do one to cover both games because they're cup games and who cares really? You know, who who really cares? Until it's the final, who cares? Let's just get them over with. Let's get the let's get that Fulham game won and uh get Mo back as quickly as possible because after that diabolical first half to then produce what he produced in the second half. He's a, he's a ridiculous footballer, an absolutely ridiculous footballer, one of the all-time greats. 100% agree with you uh, on pretty much all points there. And I'm going to get my calipers out later on now and uh, apply some eugenics to uh, Miley's face and see if you're right. <laughs> he's just... He's just, you can see in his face that he's a prick. <laughs> it's tremendous. That's some tremendous stuff. Carl, let's finish it off um, with yourself, your wrap-up thoughts, what you took away from today and, and what you've got coming up for folks. Uh, so we'll have the scouted that Dave's mentioned um, several times over the next few weeks, especially when uh, we have that gap between matches uh, we'll do a couple of extra bits in there which I think we've got at least two held over from the uh, international break uh, last year <laughs> as it is now um, which we've not managed to do yet so we will do those um, one other thing that we we should probably point out especially with cup games coming up uh, Liverpool have recalled Owen Beck uh, left back who's been on loan at Dundee for obvious reasons Um so maybe he is definitely going back out on loan on January January 30th yes yes I would imagine he probably will do uh, especially if Andy Robinson's meant to be back uh, early February but that's just good cover and good sense all round I think and I did see uh, after we spoke about it as well Caballo was being recalled wasn't he just before the Newcastle game as well yeah maybe maybe that had a a little uh, you know nightmare thing for them in the lead up to the game Um, on Sobersai's injury They've mentioned the Bournemouth game and obviously the the cup games which are around that. The Chelsea match is thirty days away from now. Like even if that's a hamstring injury, maybe that's okay in that period of time to recover from. You know, as long as it's not obviously a particularly bad tear, we we may get away with him not missing. Let's say the biggest or most important matches of the season, and that's his rest as well, uh, all in one go. Obviously, because he he hasn't looked obviously at. Uh, full capacity uh, from a physical perspective all the time. So maybe we, we slightly get away with the timing and uh, severity of it, hopefully, uh, if there does have to be an injury at all. Um, the other things I want to bring up was just from the game, not something I've seen too many times before. Every single outfield player for Liverpool today either took a shot or set one up, uh, which is fairly novel. Uh, and at the very, very top end of the scale, they're either taking shots or setting them up. Both Salah and Nunez had 10 each today, which is ludicrous. 
Holy shit, that's nuts. That is a nuts that. Can I ask you, Carl, I'm just going to put you in the spot now, just because I'm mean. Uh, Joe Gomez, do you fancy him to score before the end of the season? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> have, I, have I Brian Moore you here? I'm like, <laughs> are, you, are you Kevin Keegan? Will he score? Yes. No. <laughs> Listen, Joe Gomez is no David Batty, I'm telling you. That. <laughs> Brilliant. I knew you get that reference. We will wrap it up. That was Carl Matchett. You heard Dave Hendrick. I've been Trev Denny. Guy Drinkle has been producing and helping us as he always does through the show. This is Raw, the first of 2024. We've got many, many more ahead. Who knows where this will end? But it's a very good sign to start the new year with a win. Mind yourselves. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index, and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.